Welcome in to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba and I are back, and you know it's Valentine's weekend, Bubba. So it is the it is the weekend of of love, uh, so to speak. And uh, you know, uh, you, you and I remember the the phenomenon. The weekend of waiting on the table. Yeah, the weekend of waiting yeah. on the table. You and I remember the phenomenon that was Promise Keepers. Yes, uh, Promise Keepers was a a huge uh, movement, uh, a revival uh, that went across our country involving men. Uh, making promises and, and committing themselves to being men of God. Uh, and then it kind of went away uh, for a while. And uh, some of you may or may not know uh, it has returned. And uh, uh, we've had the honor of meeting the chairman and CEO of Modern Day Promise Keepers, Ken Harrison. And Ken is joining us on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Hello, Ken. Ken. And I just, you know, I've been there. I've been in the studio. Rick and I have become good friends. And I didn't know if Bubba was an actual person. <laughs> seen Bubba until today. Yeah, this was one of those things. You know, there was always a rumor that only one of us did all the characters on the show, and and Ken, frankly, you didn't help by continuing to tell people that you think that's true. Was I was I not here the day Ken came? Well, Bubba, what, what was it? Ken didn't show up till till nap time. I mean, oh, oh, Ken, Ken, after hours. Ken and I, I Ken and I met uh, and I had had lunch, and then hung out a little bit after lunch. And uh, uh, that's I, during my deep prayer time, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> so. So Ken, let's jump right in. Promise Keepers was it was it uh, was it its prominence was was it the nineties? When when was it that Promise Keepers uh, was this gigantic yeah. gargantuan event? It was the nineties. Yeah. Ricky, right? recap the history for us, Ken, a little bit. Yeah, it was the Clinton administration. Basically, um, Coach had a a real vision, a conversation that we needed to have these things for men. The first one was nineteen. 19- 90, I believe, uh, with 2,500 guys at the basketball arena at University of Colorado. Coach McCartney was the guy who founded it, who was the football coach at University of Colorado. 91, they had 20,000 men in the Boulder football stadium, Folsom Field. 92, it was sold out, uh, like 50,000. And then 93, it went exploded. By the time we got done, really, with the stadium events was around 99, um, one year they had 27 sold out NFL stadiums, uh, with men. And then of course the climax was October of 1997, 1. 1.4 million men in the mall in Washington, DC. It's the biggest event in the history of Washington, DC. And if you go into the park police headquarters there in DC, you will see a gigantic picture of that event. It's the f- featured event. And they talk about not only is it the biggest in the history of DC, but it was also the exemplary example of what it is because when those million men left there was not a gum wrapper left on the ground so whenever you have these groups that show up in dc with their big marches ironically you know the environmentalist groups will show up and then leave literally tons of trash behind mm-hmm. when promise keepers when those men left they policed those grounds and they left them better than when they showed up and that what an example to what happens when the men of god come together so tell us um, what what was the call on your life? You and I have talked, but this audience doesn't know about this. Promise Keepers, uh, it, it it finally went away, uh, sadly. And what what was? How did this process happen? That you can felt called to say, I want to resurrect this. And then what happened? How did that happen? Yeah, I, I came to this kicking and screaming, like it, how a lot of God's people come when they're called. You know, God doesn't. God, God has a remarkable way of calling the people who don't feel like they should be, be called. You know, yes. there's a lot of people out there running around wanting to be the big man and be famous. Um, 
I always think about Moses, you know, when he was at the burning bush and after God goes on for two chapters about all the stuff he's going to do through Moses, Moses says, pick somebody else. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there, seen that. I don't want to go back. (laughs) If you don't know, I'm wanted for murder there, by the way. (laughs) I never see you in real life, Bubba. (laughs) Yeah. So, so when, when Moses, you know, reluctantly went, we've all had this happen in our lives. But as you said, God does a pretty good job of making you miserable until you do what he says to do. Uh, you couldn't get a piece about it. So what was the state of Promise Keepers when you went to try to investigate what was going on? And a lot yeah. of you may not know, you hear us talk a lot about Steve Farrar and Tony Evans. These men rose out of the Promise Keepers movement of the 90s. They were prominent speakers at these events. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and I even talked to Steve because he and I stay in touch and do, do men's events together, and he was like uh, – you know, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Ken has has done a, a great job of going in and resurrect, resurrecting uh, promise keepers, for lack of a better example. But I think that works well with a movement of Christian men. What 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 was the state of it, and and what happened? Yeah. So to answer your question a little less flippantly, um, so and you know this, Rick, but I was on the LAPD there during the height of the Crips and Bloods wars and Rodney King and all that, which had a profound effect on me as a very young man to not really care what people think of me, right? Uh, um, you learn that as a cop in the ghetto, in a lot of shootings and whatnot, um, that if you're standing up for what's right and just, that doesn't necessarily make you popular. And, uh, but you stand up for what's right and just anyway, hopefully with love and humility at the same time. So uh, that was a unique training ground uh, that I didn't realize I was in for this moment now. And then after the LAPD, God blessed me in business and I did very well. And so I retired in 2012 and and really was liking retirement. You know, everyone told me, oh, type A guy like you, Harrison, you're not going to like it. And I'm like, dude, I loved, Mm -hmm. I loved it. And and God, I was, I was really seeking the Lord. And I'll just tell you, when you seek the Lord, when you're emptied out of everything in the world, he will speak to you. And sometimes you'll won't like what you hear. And in this particular instance, he spoke to me in the most vivid way he ever has. While I was on my knees, all of a sudden he said, Ken, I did not put you through everything I did and teach you everything I did so you could ski and hike for the rest of your life. And that was my plan. Um, clearly, I don't live in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I, uh, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, are you willing to be as ambitious for my kingdom as you were for your kingdom? Mm. And then it came with a real stern warning. Be careful of your answer, son, because it's going to cost you your life. And I got to tell you, my reaction was, I don't know. I said, Lord, I'm sick of being stabbed in the back. I'm sick of being sued. I'm sick of firing people. You know, the last company I ran had 22,000 employees. It was just, I, I'm tired of people, which is really what you want to say to the God who gave his life for those people. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a great point. <laughs> I really was sick of them. And I'm like, I, I just, I just want to be checked out. I don't want to lead anybody anymore. I just want to be done. I was 45, you know, and, um, and he said, that's okay, but you'll miss my full blessing. And it had like almost this vision of the judgment seat of Christ, where on the one hand, I sort of had this feeling from the Lord, I will bless you if you want to do that. You can go and play and I'll give you the next 50 years and I will bless you. But when you get to my judgment seat, you will see what you could have done and your heart will be broken at a wasted life. Mm. And so for two hours, I, I struggled and I said, Lord, I, I just don't, I just don't want to have to do this anymore. Finally, when I said, okay, Lord, I'll lay down my life as you told me to do in Matthew chapter five. Anyway, I will lay down my life. And he said, I'll tell you what I have for you when you're ready. So now that he had my, my attention and my <laughs> obedience, his answer was, 
but you're not humble enough. Mm. And so when you're ready, I'll do something through you. And it's ironic because when I brought Brett Promise Keepers back, I was meeting with a congressman um, shortly thereafter who said, why did God wait so long? We needed Promise Keepers back 10 years ago. And I said, I don't know, maybe he was waiting for me to grow up. Maybe mm. God didn't wait. Maybe the guy he picked to do this wasn't ready. And maybe it's my fault. So when I took over Promise Keepers, I didn't see it coming. I didn't, again, I'd had this conversation with the Lord. I'd never been to a Promise Keepers event and didn't particularly have a heart for Ben's ministry. I really had a heart for inner city ministry because of my work in South Central LA, the Compton area. But when I, I a guy came into my men's discipleship group, he said, I run Promise Keepers. And I said, but that's still a thing. And um, after about a year, he asked me to come to a board meeting. He said, uh, I need help. I, I need your help. And I said, man, I, Raleigh, I really don't want any part of a dead organization. I mean, this is how far removed I was from where God yeah. wanted me to be. Finally, when he he brought me in um, to a board meeting and I saw the state of things, I was so angry that I started yelling at the board of just what a mess this organization was. And by the time I got done yelling at them, they voted me chairman of the board. Ooh, um, better watch out. Yeah, it's one thing know. to point out the problems. They said, okay, well, then fix it. <laughs> yeah, then you take. So I literally brought Promise Keepers in to the foundation I run, Waterstone, drinking their cup right here. And um, I brought it in to close it, to pay off all their debts, to make everything right by everybody. I, I sent Tony Evans a check for, for $5,000 that he'd been known for eight years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was what a mess it was. So Waterstone cleaned up everything and I went to close the doors. It took two months and I, I scheduled a meeting for what was left of the board uh, to officially close it that, at 10 o'clock that morning. And when I was coming into my office to have that conversation, that's when God got a hold of me and said, remember that conversation when you were on your knees in the closet? Yeah, this was it. This was it, son. And I admit, well, I could I was, almost hear him calling you. Right yeah, and then. For a minute, I thought we heard yeah. that. Yeah. But 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 this is what he did. You, you realize that you are the spiritual version of George Bailey. You tried to close down the savings and loan, yeah. and uh, and you're like, look, I just want to wrap this up and be done with it. And just as you're leaving, you're, just just as you're leaving to go ski and live in the mountains, he says, but if you leave, they'll shut it down. And uh, and God said, yeah, you're George Bailey of Promise Keepers. I never realized that. So uh, so he told you. This is what he called you to. We come back, we'll unpack more of that when we continue on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Our guest is Ken Harrison. Uh, Ken uh, now, of course, um, uh, has the Christian Community Foundation uh, that is called Waterstone. Uh, gosh, they you guys give out over a million dollars a week uh, to organizations to build God's kingdom. You went to get to Promise Keepers, uh, all their debts paid to get them you know, a current and then you tried to walk out the door, and then God said, no, this is the call that I have on your life. Um, and, and this is kind of where our, our roads began to intersect because we had started, uh, I had a similar call on a smaller scale uh, to be called to start what is now the manchurch.com, which is a hub of resources and curriculum and designed for men's ministry. Uh, I was talking to, and I remember the guy who interviewed you and me, Bubba, and he told me, he said, hey, you know Promise Keepers is back. And I'm like, no, Promise Keepers is not back. And he said, I want, I want to connect you with Ken Harrison. And, and and I don't know if you remember this, so we got on the phone and started talking, and we realized pretty quick that, that God had identified real issues with the men of the church in the horrible state of men's ministry. Um, and we both started talking, realizing we had had similar calls in, in some different ways, but that there was synergy with this. And and you were trying to put together, you know, the return of Promise Keepers, this huge event. 
at uh, at AT&T Stadium, uh, Jerry World. It was all put together. I remember we were even talking about, you know, possibly being there as a as a resource booth for for people going going into smaller groups as they left the big deal. And then a little something called COVID nineteen showed up. At this point, were you like God? I, I I thought you told me to do this. We have this giant gathering of men put together, and suddenly here comes COVID nineteen. So so uh, so walk us through that uh, when when it was scheduled, and then here came the pandemic. You know, Rick. Uh, and bef- before we get too far down the road, I want to make sure you give everybody that stat that you gave me on our first conversation with the budget for men's ministry versus <laughs> for women's ministry. Uh, you got you got to throw that out there. Well, we've talked about this a lot, and it was uh, I had a very similar situation of being called to something that I didn't want to do. I actually preferred doing this radio show, being being called to come to men's events and conferences and speak go in, make everybody mad, and then leave. That's what I preferred. Uh, and, uh, and, and the, the Lord, I like you, man. Yeah. And, and the Lord, and the Lord was like, you are, you're not willing to get your hands dirty. And, uh, and I, I, and I, and he, and he said, I'm calling you. Jesus said to make disciples, uh, you know, men's ministry has a pretty good high challenge to it. And I know men that gave their life to Christ during the promise keepers run. And it was a great high challenge setup. Uh, but what isn't happening very well is high equipping. And I remember you telling me that the people at Promise Keepers, they said, well, we thought our job was high challenge. And then these men would go back with a new fire for Christ or had been redeemed or a recommitment or an awakening. And then their local church would disciple them. Uh, and, and that wasn't happening. Uh, and so I, I, it just really began to confuse me as a man because every Father's Day message that I had ever heard in any church comes out there with the Barner research and says there you know men and women are equal but they're not the same and the influence that God gave a man exceeds any influence in the house in society and in the church and then my thought was well what is the church actually doing about it after Father's Day on Sunday so I began to notice that that churches love to tell men that they have the most influence and that they need to be the spiritual leaders of their home first of all they never told them much how to do it and they didn't invest in them at all. So I began to ask the question, do we believe the man is the most influential force in the church, in the home, and in society? And every pastor I talked to said yes. And I said, well, if I looked at your budget, would that reflect that? And you know what I found? I found the men's ministry budget of every single church I ever got associated with was dead last. <laughs> and the women's ministry would be financed in, in a big church at forty, forty-five thousand dollars $45,000. And then you look at the men's ministry – and it would have $1,200 for a coach to come to a wild game feast or a prayer breakfast and awkwardly try to tie scripture to football stories. And, and, I, and, and I was like, that's men's ministry? And, uh, and I realized that we like to say it. And, of course, you were the one. I'm going to blame you a little bit now. You were the one. I said, Ken, why do you think that is? And I, I didn't, I didn't want to believe what you said. And you said, Rick, I think you're under the assumption that pastors want to disciple men. And I said, well, I don't want to believe that. Why would they not want to disciple men? And you were like, it's, it's a much tougher job on the pastor if the men are mature followers of Jesus and they're a lot harder to manage. It's much easier to manage women and children. Before you know it, the men are knocking on your door going, hey, what we're doing is not biblical, and I actually know enough about the Bible to know that now. So that, that kind of broke my heart a little bit. I wanted to think that pastors would want to benefit from men who were mature followers of Jesus, and there are some who do. I'm not, that's not an indictment on every pastor. Uh, but I will say that the pastors I've talked to had a really hard time explaining 
why the investment in men was last, but the Father's Day message said they should be first. Uh, and so, you know what? My pastor at my church said, well, what are you going to do about it? Just like God said to you, Ken. Well, Rick, you can come in here and tell us we don't have a plan. Why, why don't you make a plan? So that's when the manchurch.com, it's the, that's the national rollout, but it started in my local church when my pastor said, everything you say is good, it's provocative, but what are you going to do about it? And then I decided to say, well, you know what? I, I, God has told me to get my hands dirty, and, and we'll start it. And we, we started putting as much effort into discipling men as we did at challenging men. Because if all you do is ever challenge them and you don't disciple them, it just leads to frustration. And then if you equip them but you don't challenge them, it leads to apathy. So you need both. Yeah. So you've, now you've, you've set up why I can go through the pain in the neck God put me through because uh, God does do that. He, he tends to make um, things through difficulty and pain that allow us to grow. Yep. And so last year at this time, uh, we were just starting to hear about COVID, and I was very defiant thinking I was doing the godly thing. And in fact, we were the last national event of any kind in the U.S. to cancel. And it was May when I was still saying, we're going to be at AT&T Stadium. And that's when the governor's office of Texas said, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and by the way, I got a bunch of hate mail telling me what a coward I was. And I'm like, okay, we didn't cancel because yeah. we, we, we were canceled. But um, that gave us really less than 60 days to put together a virtual event, which was phenomenal. The virtual event was watched by 1.2 million men across the world in 84 countries. It was mm. How it came together, I, I still, I remember watching it be filmed in Nashville, and I was watching Dan, Danny Goki singing while Michael W. Smith was playing the piano for him, and we're recording it with all these cameras, and I'm like, how did we do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be in charge. I have no idea how any of this happened, but I'm going to get all the credit, <laughs> you know? Which, the cool thing about being the CEO, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you get the blame, too, if it goes That's bad. Right. Though. Yeah. It all rolls right. up for you. <laughs> That's right. But... Um, then the answer came. God has given us an incredible board of really godly and wise men. Uh, Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma, A.R. Bernard, massively influential pastor in New York City. Um, Chad Hennings, the great football player. I've got his picture behind me here walking off the field in the Super Bowl with Charles Haley. Um, Donald Bergs, the president of the African-American Association of the Southern Baptist Convention. Sam Rodriguez, just an uh, unbelievable board. And we came together and realized that was the main calling for promise keepers. We're still going to do stadium events, but churches don't have the, the materials they need for men. Yeah. And so they need direct stuff. The way men talk to men that pastors can't say from the pulpit. And many pastors don't have the skills to say the average church has between 80 and hundred people in it. That, that pastor in no way has the skills to talk about sex, marriage, race, um, violence, how to raise your sons, money, he so God's given us all this great skill. So we thought really one of the main callings is to have a two-hour event once a quarter that's just hard hitting men talking to men the way your dad needed to talk to you. And that led me to this whole thing. I, I, I wrote this treatise, which I think I sent to you, Rick, called yep. Fear of the Lord. Yeah. And basically said, We're not cool. Promise keepers is not cool. We are your dad's ministry. We are fat guys in doc in dockers that have police still, you know. <laughs> You know that commercial with the guy that helps you not become your parents? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, yeah. Are Funny. Yeah. Um, so, and we're not going to back away from that. We are senior men telling men how to be men. And we're not unabashed about it. And we might be hated for it by some people. Because, you know, when your dad gives you wisdom, you don't always appreciate it. Right. But you always appreciate it later when you realize, man, that old guy was right. 
That's who we are. We're old wise guys giving godly content without apology to and without and without without compromise to the masses. And so that has been really blessed, which led to our marriage summit uh, two weeks ago, where we had 100,000 people watch that thing live again in like 12 countries, I think it was. And where you know, we get blatant conversations. Rick, you were on there. Yeah. You had an unbelievable talk about what happened to your son and how you needed to be a spiritual leader and partner to your wife. And I had a talk on there for eight minutes about what you wish your dad would have told you about sex, just laying it right out there for the guys that needed to hear. And I've had, we have gotten so much mail and from, especially from women saying, thank you for saying what needed to be said. Cause I've never heard talk like that from the church before. Yeah, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more. I want to unpack this event that has been going on for the last couple of weeks, how you can access that and let you know what's going to be happening this Valentine's weekend on Saturday the 13th when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, so no matter what stage of life you're in, thinking about your financial future can, uh, can you know, some strong feelings can rise up. You know, anxiety, oh my goodness, Bubba, what's going to happen, you know, me long term? And um, what, but did you know that, that people who work with a financial advisor feel more at ease? Some of this is you're trying to do it yourself, and you think about all the knowledge you don't have about your finances. Well, let's, let's take away that because those who use financial advisors, people who are experts in the field, they end up with 15% more money to spend in retirement on average. Now, thanks to Smart Asset, uh, this service has over a half a million people who've already trusted them to help. They'll, they'll actually help you and me find an advisor. Now, it's free. It's an easy path, and it helps you find greater financial peace of mind. Smart Asset has built a safe, easy, and convenient tool uh, to find vetted financial advisors in your area. And, look, I can't tell you the peace of mind that gives you. I mean, you use them. It's free. It's easy. They find someone they've already vetted. What's the hard part? You, if you go there and Google financial advisors, you don't know one for the other. Yeah. So, so, so they can help you. Uh, so, so begin taking uh, the smart asset short quiz. Within minutes, they'll match you with three pre-screened, um, you know, uh, financial advisors, each legally obligated to act in your best interest, and each willing to do a no commitment financial consultation. Okay, they'll send you a free personalized retirement planning guide, and it'll give you the the you know actions you need to take so you can feel confident in your next steps. So take control of your financial future today with Smart Asset. Go to smartasset.com/bubba. Uh, your report will provide personalized insights on your retirement readiness. So go to smartasset.com/bubba today. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. We're talking with Ken Harrison. He is the CEO and chairman of Promise Keepers. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, the the leaner and, and uh, more modern version of Promise Keepers, but with no apologies as we went, before we went to the break. These are older, wiser men trying to reach out and disciple younger men to try to have conversations that, that only men can have. Men and women are equal. We talk about this all the time, but they are distinctly different. They're not the same. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about with Promise Keepers and themanchurch.com is you cannot disciple men if you continue to continue to speak to them like they're a woman or a child. And I would say the same thing for women and children. Don't treat them like they're grown men. They're not, uh, either male or they're grown. So, But I do find with the younger generation, there seems to be a pushback on, on the wisdom of older men. You know, that was something that we always grew up knowing that older men had wisdom. Uh, there's some lack of, I don't know, it's not as natural. Maybe they haven't been trained to do that. 
So I'm glad that you guys are offering these services. So talk about this three-week event that started in, in January that kind of walks up to um, you know February the 13th, and then, then let everybody know what's happening on February the 13th. Yeah, so people are hearing this and go, well, shoot, I, I missed it. You, you didn't. You can go to promisekeepers.org, and you can watch the two-hour event, which is a marriage event that's directed at men. Women can certainly watch it, and we know you are watching it, women, so you know, you're not fooling us. <laughs> um, you can get on there and watch that. And then there was a three-week challenge that you can still go through and walk through from our app. So if you get an opportunity, go to the App Store if you have an Apple phone uh, and get the Promise Keepers app. And if you have Google, it's some somewhere. I'd look for Promise Keepers. But um, you can download all that. What that does is it's almost like a deeper Facebook community for men uh, through Promise Keepers where you can communicate with each other. You can get into groups, find a mentor. Because we know we have an epidemic of the friendless American male. And women, if I can give you some advice right now, you want to encourage your husband to have male friends. He needs male friends. He needs to be doing male things with just guys. It's not threatening to you. It's what will fill him up and turn him into the kind of man you want. You want to make sure that his male friends are godly male friends that are doing the right things. But then you go through the three-week event, and then it, it culminates this Sunday, Valentine's Day, the 13th, with an event that's for women and men to come together as couples. So if you're your fiance, you've got a girlfriend you're thinking about marrying, grab your wife, watch the event. It'll be different content that was on the two hours earlier, which I just found this out, Rick. So you and I got bumped. We're not we're not in the couples thing. Did they kick us out of the couple thing this weekend? I mean, I, I thought yeah. our I thought our part was good. I thought ours was the best, man. You were <laughs> the best, and I was the second best. <laughs> well, you you and I were talking about some things that uh, that were good for the buildup, but maybe not appropriate for when the couples get together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, so, um, it, you know, and this is this is the kind of the epitome of what we're going to be doing as Promise Keepers. This is the kind of godly content that you wish the church would say that we're finally saying. Now, to go back to pastors, we talked about the lack of, of skill. It's nothing against them, but if you are a pastor, your job is to know the Bible. So you get out of college, you go to seminary, you go, you, you become an assistant pastor somewhere, you start your own church. That is a very limited worldview scope that you have, and you need men around you like the men of Issachar who understand the times, understand what's going on. And so if, if that's your, your perspective, you don't have a clue about money or how to invest or how, what it's like to take a second out of your house to make payroll in your small company or you know, sex problems with lots of people. And we are seeing the, the damage. I was just on a call this morning um, with Ed Coble, who runs DeBartolo who told me that he was with George Barna and they, they interviewed a thousand pastors who answered anonymous, anonymously. How many of those pastors had a problem with pornography or had looked at pornography within the past week? You guys, 88%. Mm. Just, just wrap your mind around that. 88%. That means nine out of 10 pastors that you see on Sunday looked at porn within the past week. Um, that's insanely unacceptable. And so these guys need help, too, and they need guidance, too, because Satan's voice right now is so prevalent amongst the church, and he's even got a hold of our leaders. And so, and, and Rick, I've said this to you, and you know, this, again, this is not what most Christian leaders say, but I tell people all the time, you will never, ever find me in, in any kind of sexual sin or ever hear anything about it around me. Now, if I get arrested for punching somebody out, that's probably true. Right. <laughs> but... But because, uh, you know, it's one of those things that God is uniquely calling men to, to rise up. The guys at Promise Keepers, the board, the speakers, we vetted those guys on humility and sexual purity. 
That's just not a thing for me. I don't know. I don't, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why guys want to look at porn. It's just not a deal. So we got to have guys that, that women can look up to with respect and go, I know that guy would not victimize me because there's just too many. And so at Promise Keepers, we want to be the kind of guys, like I said, we're not cool, but we're wise, we're godly, and we're never going to let you down on that kind of nonsense. I may, like I said, I may punch some rude guy on the airport, but. Ken, let me ask you this, because we've talked a lot on the show, too, about masculinity, and mm. there there seems to be a, a shortage of it lately. How do you define that, and, and why is that, do you think? Yeah, Bubba, you, you know, you come in here at the last second with a question, and it's like a t- really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's right. We said there's an all-out assault on masculinity. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, at one time it was – Hey, the men of our country, the men of the world are the answer to the problems. And Bub and I roll out the headlines every day. Uh, the adversary is convinced the world that men are not the answer to the problem. They are the problem. Yeah, let me let me answer that before I define it with a little bit roundabout way. Okay. Um, I said to my son, my son's a college wrestler, uh, and he's stud college wrestler. He's a favorite to be an All-American this year. And my younger son, who was a big lacrosse star, and both of them are just studly guys. And I, you know, I said to them one day, it's important that you guys learn how to wrestle, how to fist fight, all those things. Because a man with power who lays it aside, that's a meek man. Right. You know, if you if you turn the other cheek because you're afraid, what, what good is that to you? When Jesus said turn the other cheek, he meant you could pulverize the guy, but you turn the cheek anyway. That's humility, right? That's a man. So who is the ultimate example of what a man is? Of course, it's Christ. And how did Christ love? How does Christ love his bride, the church? He, he sacrificed himself for her. He gave his life for her. So masculinity is great power that's under control, that uses it to serve everyone within that man's purview. And so I laid down my life for my family. Am I the leader of my family? Yes. Is my wife told to submit to me? Yes. And I'm, what am I told? To love my wife like Christ loved the church, willing to be tortured to death for her. Because what's Christ going to do? He's going to present his bride, the church, to his father in heaven, blameless and spotless. What's my job? It's to present my wife, my spouse, before the Lord God in heaven on judgment day, blameless and spotless. Whatever I can do to build her up and love her. And, um, and the same thing goes for my kids. And so what is masculinity? It is power that is under the control of humility and servanthood. Yeah, and that's one of the things I think people miss when when Jesus talked about the meek will inherit the earth. We we've allowed the word meek to be misidentified, and you just identified it correctly. Uh, he's talking about there's it, it goes back to a horse being on a rein is where the the original uh, word in the Bible comes from, and these horses were rippling with muscle and they were powerful, but they they were under control. And Jesus is using the same analogy. It's strength that's not out of control. It's strength that's under control. And I think one of the things that, that we haven't done a very good job uh, as a church is to we've allowed this, this toxic masculinity to be on display, and we haven't done a good job of stepping in going, no, 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 masculinity in and of itself is not the problem. Uh, this, this is toxic masculinity that has been misdefined by a fallen world. What we want to show you is perfect masculinity uh, which is under the authority of Christ, because the influence of a man can't be turned off. It's either a detriment and an obstacle, uh, and you've seen this in society after society where the men uh, are, are either toxic 
and their masculinity, and they've abandoned their roles that are, that are biblical. But masculinity under the authority of Christ, under control, uh, should never be eradicated. And what's happening is the world, in an attempt to point uh, you know, to the, the toxic masculinity, says, no, that's all masculinity, but it's not. And we need to do a better job of identifying that there is a masculinity under the authority of Christ that is a blessing. Uh, and there's a toxic masculinity that is um, under the authority of Satan that is reckless and is a problem. But we need to do a better job of, of pointing to, to what one looks like versus the other, not only just to the men, but also to women and to society. So we'll come back. Ken Harrison is our guest, and we'll continue uh, talking to him, the CEO and chairman of Promise Keepers. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. Now, Bubba, we've talked about these Raycon earbuds uh, I don't. I mean, I, people think earbuds. You got to have them now. You know, get your face out of your phone, but you still want to be able to to listen to to podcasts like this, and you want to be able to maybe listen to messages or maybe some music or, or get walk in, yeah, and exercise while you're doing move, it. Move around a little bit. But I, let's face it, a lot of us don't want to pay what these earbud people want us to pay. And and personally, I don't want to have white things hanging out of my ears. Uh, so the the Raycon earbuds, they they fit discreetly. They they fit comfortably. Uh, they're about half the price of the other earbuds, but you do not compromise quality. Sound great. Yeah, they really do. And we're going to get you 15% off the product, and it's already about half what the others want. Uh, but Rick and Bubba can get you 15% off if you will go to Raycon.com slash Rick Bubba Pod. Uh, go buy Raycon.com slash Rick Bubba Pod, and you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab and and uh, maybe pick up a spare for somebody else. That's 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash Pod, uh, and we'll save you 15% off their already great price. And they have the battery life that lasts for six hours of playtime. Uh, the Bluetooth is so simple, even I can do it. Uh, so go get yours right now and let us save you some money at buyraycon.com slash Pod. Ken Harrison, our guest on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, so this weekend, we want you to realize that there's been an ongoing marriage challenge, and I, and I like that term. You hear marriage conference, but this is all virtual. It's it's all available for you, and and this is um, a men's version of of uh, talking about the, col- the the topic of marriage from a man's point of view to men. We do know that the women are watching, and why not? They should be a fan of this. You can go to to promisekeepers.org, uh, and you will still see. Um, you know, even on their Facebook and even their YouTube channel, now that YouTube's put you back back on there, guys, uh, you can go and get the sessions that you may have already missed. Now, I will tell you this, Bob, we love this. I, I've seen they're fast-paced. You know, they're, they're, you, you know, everybody gets up there. It's 8 to 10 minutes each man, and it keeps going. But on February the 13th, there is a virtual event for couples. So now you sit down with uh, the, the woman of your dreams and or your, or your wife, and you sit down and you watch the February 13th as a couple. Uh, and there'll be themes, uh, how to reconnect to your partner, how to resolve conflict, positive communication, sex and romance, emotional intimacy, the power of praying for your marriage and your spouse, and, of course, what we just talked about, sexual integrity uh, inside the marriage as well. All those topics uh, will be discussed um, coming up this weekend on February the 13th. So, so you're- Ken, you're not covering budgets, I see. <laughs> I see that left out of that list, right? See, my wife thinks budget is a four-letter word. <laughs> yeah, look, look, Ken won't even touch that. I'm not going to talk about something I'm incapable of, of talking about. <laughs> it never stopped us, Ken. So, <laughs> has there been any pushback 
uh, because when you <laughs> you know there's a time when something like Promise Keepers there would be you know very little opposition to it. Have you guys seen any opposition to the audacity of going out and saying we believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God and we believe that men and women were created equal but not the same and we believe that gender is not fluid uh, and we believe that uh, that men need to be redeemed by Christ. He's the only way they can be redeemed and to be under his authority is to be uh, the only hope to be the man that he designed you to be. Is it, have, have you guys started? It's a different environment that you're in right now, Ken, than, than the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, there were huge protests in the 90s. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there were some big, you know, women used to come and pull all their shirts off and stand there with their boobs hanging out, and the guys would turn their backs to them and walk in sideways. And, uh, yeah, that, there, there was some stuff back then, too. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, and sadly, uh, we have gotten some stuff, not nearly as much as you'd think. Most of our hate mail comes from our own side. Um, I'll tell you, it's been sad for me to see how many people say, well, you know, you had that speaker, so I'm not going to listen to you anymore. You better have this guy. The tribalism that's come out has really broken my heart, and uh, I've spent a lot of time fasting and praying over this. And believe me, fasting is not easy for me, Rick. I like food as much as you do. Yeah. Many times. Of all the gifts, Ken, you've probably hit on the one that I've got the least amount right well, there. you know what I, I realized? Because <laughs> I, a- I had the same issue, and you know what God corrected me on? It's not a gift, Rick. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual yeah. discipline, not a spiritual gift. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I'd figure that out without you clarifying that. Well, yeah. it, it was a good line to get out of nursery work. <laughs> right. You know, it's not a, you know, no one says, you know what, I've got the gift of fasting. Uh, how about, <laughs> how, how about uh, fasting is a spiritual discipline, and uh, and most things that are difficult usually can be used by God, as you said earlier, to benefit you, but yeah. it's there's nothing fun about it. I told God, you know, I fast eight hours a night. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he does really speak to you when you fast, and and uh, and I and my heart was broken, and that's where. And we were talking a little bit earlier about the fear of the Lord is yeah. so important. We need to teach men. We need to teach the church, but specifically men, to fear the Lord. And I was with John Bevere recently, and John, you know, he's Mister Fear of the Lord. He's written books on it, and he tells a story about how he went and visited Jim Baker in prison, and Jim was the one that had the big TV shows. Yeah. PTL, yeah, yep. yeah, PTL got all that trouble, and he asked. Um, John or Jim Baker, John Vere asked Baker, when did you fall out of love with God? And Baker said, I never fell out of love with God. And Bevere said, man, you were carrying on with Jessica Hahn for seven years before you got caught and extorting money. How can you say that you love Jesus? And Baker said, I always love Jesus. I just didn't fear him. Mm. We got to teach men that you, that God that you're saying, oh, he's okay with my sin because he's full of love and he's all love this and that. It's taken over the church. We forget that on about page three of the Bible, he killed everybody. Right. That's the same God, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's the same God that when Phineas came in and threw, drove a spear through a man having sexual um, intimacy with a woman he wasn't supposed to. And God said, that's my boy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you to the fourth generation. And I'm going to make your tribe the priestly tribe because you feared the Lord. You were jealous for my name. We forget about that God. And we go, well, that's the Old Testament. Jesus tells the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2, you guys have followed the sexual deviancy of that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Therefore, I'm killing many of you with a deadly disease. That's Jesus. That's the New Testament and the last book ever written. So, yes, he loves us, but he also is feared and he will discipline those he loves, we're told many times in the New Testament. So uh, we see that we need to teach people to fear the Lord, which big, long circle back to 
most of the hate mail we're getting right now is from people in our tribe yeah. throwing stones at us going, you had that speaker, you had that speaker, had to, I'm, not, I'm out. I'm like thinking, dude, you're out because you're full of sin and you don't want to hear the word of God. You don't want to be filled with conviction. So you're making excuses. That's why you're out. Yeah, it, it was one of the things that, that we see, too. There's so much stuff that's going on within the church. And, you know, I, I just finished a, a couple of studies, one on First Peter. That's pretty straightforward, and we all kind of like that because here's Peter talking about, you know, we're being persecuted by Nero. So he's talking about be prepared for persecution. Now, the Western church has never really experienced that, even though even though it's starting to happen a little bit, not to that level the yet. The waters are warming. The right? waters yeah. are warming. And, <laughs> so that's, right. but, and so that is important. But then you go to Second Peter. And he says, all right, now i got a new concern, and that's the attacks from within the church, the false teachers, the false prophets, a bad theology. And, uh, and I think you're right. I, I think that to, sometimes you look around and you go, all right, it's not the world that's demonizing men's ministry. It's the actual church uh, who, who say, well, you don't say, we don't like the way you're doing that. We don't, we don't want to go down that road, and, and you do it. But, but like you said, in and, it, and it's okay for us to understand God, but we must understand every attribute. And I agree with you. Bubba and I have talked about, th- about this. I think one of the things that has turned men away from Jesus is that we've allowed the modern-day church, not everywhere, but in many places, to present him incorrectly as, as a hippie. And, and men are like, well, I don't want to follow. I have no desire to follow a hippie. I certainly don't fear a hippie, back to your point. But if we presented Jesus exactly the way he's presented, let's go back to the Revelation. John is telling us in the, in the very first line, I'm about to show you the revelation of Jesus Christ and the visuals that he sees of Jesus. It's a revelation of Jesus. Uh, uh, it's, it's the kind of power in the imagery. It's not, it's not the lowly servant anymore. Uh, and and the and the, this is when the king showing this up. This is when the king showing up, and and I heard Farrar, Steve Farrar, say in the last two weeks, and I know he's on on your board, on the board. Steve Farrar, in the last two weeks, I heard him in one of his Bible studies. I never really thought about this, and you just touched on it. And Bub and I talked about it on the air. Um, it was either this week, I think we did. You there used to be no greater compliment you could give a man than referred to him as what a God fearing man. You remember when your dad used to say that? Yeah. And now, yeah. oh, so and so, he's a God fearing man. When's the last time you heard anyone describe anyone like that? That's a great point. Yeah, and Farrar came up with it. I didn't come up with it, but I thought when he said that, man, he's right. I, I've never yeah. really thought of that. You don't really hear that as a desired compliment or a compliment anymore. But and 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 that's what it is. It, it, it's happened so subtly. We don't even embrace the compliment of God fearing man anymore. But until we fear him. I mean, he, he has no authority over it. And the Bible tells us that's where the beginning of all knowledge is. Yeah, I mean, I you, mean how, you know, we, we love our knowledge now. You know, we got knowledge galore. We can Google and search uh, everything, uh, oh, yeah. but, but no we're, we're missing the very keystone of the whole thing. Think about that, because when we call people a God-fearing fearing man, we were saying that man has wisdom. Yep. Uh, because all wisdom starts there. He, hey, he's got that right, so you can trust him. But, uh, but yep. that is, boy, that's outdated. I don't hear that in much at all anymore. You know, I'm, uh, I'm good friends with a guy named General Tom Stafford. He was one of the original astronauts for the, the second wave back in the early 60s. He, he commanded Gemini 9 and I think it was Apollo 11. And um, he was telling me about how he was up in space looking back towards the Earth. And he said, Ken, as far, and Tom's not a believer. He said, it's, it, you look out and, and as far as you could see, all you could see is black in every direction except for this little 
fist-shaped ball that was blue and all the light was pointing right at it. And uh, he said, man, did I feel small. And I said, Tom, you know, what was your impression when you saw that? Because I was in the middle of witnessing to him about Christ. When you saw that, what do you think? And he goes, I thought, how could 5 billion people screw that little place up so fast? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing about fear of the Lord. You know, you think about who God is. We are just... You know, uh, uh, Hugh Ross talks about how there are a billion trillion planets, which is just beyond your comprehension. Yeah, we're on one of those little tiny planets and we're one of six billion on this little tiny planet. And we actually walk around as if we're God. We actually open up scripture and say, well, that's what the Bible says. But, you know, I kind of know better than God. This is what I think. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, you think about that. Um, Isaiah says, think about how small that we all of us, the three of us, how small we feel compared to the earth. And Isaiah said the earth to God is a footstool. A footstool. (laughs) So think how far down we are from his greatness to ours. Uh, And uh, and that's something I think uh, hopefully uh, you are being used, Ken, to bring Promise Keepers back and what we're doing at themanchurch.com, that we can all play some role under the obedience of God. We're going to do what he tells us to do. And then he'll sort it all out. But these these sources are available to you. And thanks for being with us today. Promisekeepers.org. Uh, Go there right now, and you can find out all about uh, uh, the the February thirteenth uh, uh, challenge that's coming up. And and the and the marriage challenge for couples is going to be on the thirteenth. If you want to go back and see all the other pieces uh, that we all cut and and other men. You can find those as well at promisekeepers.org. It's on their Facebook page and their YouTube page as well. So, Ken, thanks for taking time to be with us. Uh, Look forward to continuing to work alongside you, brother, and what you're doing. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. 